0: You might be wondering why I've got a picture of a hand grenade on the PowerPoint. It's just going to be the backdrop. I wanted to give you something to uh, take away with you today, that image of the hand grenade. And I've also called this uh, the subtitle of this um, talk, Throw Yourself on the Grenade. Let me start with this story. It is the year 1945. World War II is still raging. Jack Lucas was 17 years old. He joined the army when he was 14. Wanting to serve in active combat, he stowed away on a transport ship out of Honolulu, surviving on food passed along to him by sympathetic soldiers on board. He landed on the island of Iwo Jima on the first day of fighting without a rifle against 20,000 enemy soldiers. He grabbed one lying on the beach and fought his way inland. Now, on day two, Jack and three fellow soldiers were crawling along in a trench when they spotted 11 enemy soldiers in a nearby trench. Jack shot one of them, but then his rifle jammed. As he struggled with his rifle, he saw a grenade rolling into the trench. He yelled a warning and jumped over a fellow soldier to ram the grenade into the soft ground with his gun before throwing his body on top of it. A second grenade rolled into the trench next to him. Jack Lucas, aged 17, Pulled the second grenade in under his body also. Jack, you're going to die, he remembered thinking. Miraculously, Jack survived. He required 21 reconstructive surgeries and became the nation's youngest Medal of Honor recipient, the highest military award in the American military. Up to his death in 2006, he still had more than 200 pieces of metal shrapnel in his body. What makes this story remarkable, do you think? Why did um, Jack receive the highest military award for his actions? Any ideas? Sacrifice, Sacrifice gave his life for others. Obviously not the only soldier to uh, die in the trenches in World War II. I want to give you two two reasons why I think Jack was a worthy recipient. Of the, of the Medal of Honour. First, his humility. Uh, Jack thought of others before himself. Instead of jumping away from the grenade in, a, in an effort to save his own life, he leapt over other soldiers um, in an effort to save theirs. And they did. They, the other three soldiers survived without any wounds. Uh, secondly, his sacrificial service. He was prepared to give his life um, in ultimate um, surrender and service to his fellow soldiers. Uh, Not just (coughs) risk of injury, but in the face of almost certain death. I want this uh, picture of this um, Jack throwing himself on the grenade to uh, inform us as we think about servanthood. But let me pray quickly again. Almighty Father God, I am your servant. All I have is from you, Father, my voice, my mind. I pray that you would use me to speak your your word this morning. As we uh, open up our hearts to the servanthood in the life of Christ, I pray that you would speak powerfully into our hearts. Your word is sharper than any sword. May it pierce and go beyond our heads and into our hearts this morning, we pray. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So today we're continuing our series on the life of Christ. Um, So far we've looked at prayer, uh, love and forgiveness and today we're looking at servanthood. So what's servanthood? Servanthood is just the state or condition of being a servant. Um, To get a sense of this in Jesus' life, uh, just listen to these two quotes from Jesus in Mark 10. He says, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this quote from the passage we read in John 13 already, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And so even from these two small quotes, we see that servanthood is central both to who Jesus is and his character as well as his purpose in his ministry. And see, plenty of people help out and serve maybe a Boy Scouts, maybe a volunteer at a local um, sport, sporting club, a school canteen, a charity. So what makes um, biblical servanthood different? What makes um, the difference between normal service and serving God, what makes it unique? And I think it has two parts, attitude and action. The attitude is God-centred humility. And the action sacrificial service to others see we can be busy doing lots of things church things, family things things in the community but if our heart attitude is not right our service will be ineffective at best or at worst completely worthless without God centred humility we either won't serve or we will serve but with the wrong reasons which leads to all kind of uh, negative side effects and in some ways, all the aspects of Christ's life that we've looked to um, in the series to date depend completely on humility. Prayer, at its essence, is humble dependence on God. You're not going to be a prayer if you're not humble. Love, pride prevents us from loving um, and being vulnerable, but humility allows us to love unconditionally with, with the unconditional and gracious love of God. Forgiveness, of course, comes from that hard attitude of being humbled first by god 's forgiveness for us, and when we come to servanthood, no surprise that uh, humility and godly service are completely inseparable. the arch enemies of servanthood are pride and selfishness, arrogance and self centeredness But as I was preparing this talk on servanthood, I just couldn 't avoid humility; it just kept on hitting me from all directions so if, if at some point you think i 'm talking about humility and not servanthood um, they're fairly interchangeable. I actually want our key text today to be uh, Philippians chapter 2. So I wonder if you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We also read John 13 to uh, get our minds on the topic. But Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 11. Let me read it. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, If any, tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to view to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So firstly, let's spend some time now thinking about the humility and servant heart of Christ. Jesus Christ is creator of the universe. The Bible tells us that through him all things that were created Uh, were created through him all things are sustained by his powerful word that makes him lord over everything, every living thing every breathing thing every created thing exists to serve him and honour him all property and wealth is under his ultimate ownership but because of his servant heart he was born into poverty and is a helpless baby Jesus Christ is God almighty in human flesh All human authority should submit to him and devote themselves to his service and worship. But because of his servant heart, he's born not in a palace, not in uh, some political power hall, but in a stable. All God's fullness dwells in Jesus Christ in bodily form perfect justice, perfect love, perfect faithfulness, perfect innocence but because of his servant heart he endured a complete denial of justice endured the betrayal of his closest friends and allowed himself to be beaten, spat on, mocked and scorned and ultimately crucified see my rebellion against God all the selfishness and sin in my heart made me an enemy of God my failure to worship and trust him in all things made me an enemy of God Under his anger, God's perfect and mighty justice would have overwhelmed me, crushed me and damned me to hell forever. But Christ, the supreme commander of the enemy forces came over into my trench while I was still his enemy threw himself willingly in front of God's anger and was crushed and torn to shreds by the grenade of God's justice instead of me. It's just so hard to comprehend. He didn't deserve one bit of God's anger, but I deserved every bit of it. Listen to what Jesus tells his disciples as he's being arrested. Matthew 26. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? 60,000 angels could cause a bit of damage, I imagine. But Jesus knowing the Father's put all things under His power, knowing that He has every resource at His disposal to escape the cross, lays it aside. He put aside His rights, His entitlements for all eternity. The beloved Son of the Father puts it aside to suffer under the Father's wrath. Knowing how agonising the cross would be spiritually, emotionally, physically, in in sacrificial service for us. And this is servanthood, having the humility to put aside your interests, value others above yourself, and trust God as you throw yourself into sacrificial service for others. Throw yourself on the grenade. Later on in the chapter, Paul says it in this way, that even if I am being poured out like a drink offering... On the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. No servant is greater than his master, Jesus tells us. Paul's not exceptional here. He's not some super Christian. He's simply doing what the master did, setting aside his rights, his prestige, a life of comfort and honour and respect among the highest orders of the Pharisees, pouring out his life in the sacrifice and service of others. So instead of finding our significance in power, position, in people's opinions of us, we should find it in servanthood. As I've been studying this um, message, I'm just resolved, you know, whatever success I find in work, whatever success I have as a husband or as a father, whatever position I hold in the church, I'm resolved to only see my success in the light of the degree to which I've put the servanthood of Christ uh, into action. If I haven't, no success, regardless of what other things look like on the surface. See, a short time after Jesus washed his disciples' feet, it tells us that an argument broke out between them about who was the greatest. You would have thought, surely, three years with Jesus, he washes your feet, surely they're at a humble moment, but no, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. we're not like that are we though we're not that fickle I think we are Um, when we look at servanthood it's pretty hard to put into practice Um, pretty challenging dealing with this many sinners in one place trying to get them all to get along together we're saved and we've got the power of the Holy Spirit but we get in the way of the Spirit's power a lot don't we so I want to ask now how can we apply servanthood how can we take this radical model that turned the first century world upside down spiritually and apply it right now, here and now? The first question, can God-centred, humble service make a difference to the community, to everyone outside the doors? Lifeline's a support charity, uh, particularly dealing with suicide prevention and crisis support. A few months ago they released the results from some new research they've done. of people feel that Australian society is getting lonelier. 60% of people said they often feel lonely. While over a third of people said they have absolutely no one to confide in when they feel lonely. Suicide rates are the highest they've been in a decade. Of all deaths last year in Australia, one in 50 was someone taking their own life. For people aged 15 to 24, suicide accounted for more than one in every three deaths. And suicide's leading cause of death among all people aged 15 to 44. Sounds like a lot of people crawling around in the trenches to me. And I really feel the need to be intentional and deliberate to create meaningful interactions with our neighbours, our workmates. Throw yourself on the grenade. What's the grenade? Probably the fact that it won't be easy for you to value them above yourself to step out of your comfort zone. It'll rarely be comfortable to put yourself out and offer support into other people's struggles. Rarely convenient for you to get up that extra bit early and pray for them. It won't always be safe. You'll be vulnerable and you might get hurt. A few weeks ago we learnt of a mother down in Gippsland who has um, spent a good portion of her life um, caring for marginalised and homeless people. Um, And one of them killed her a few weeks ago as she was trying to help him get his life back on track. Christ endured the cross because he saw the joy and exaltation at the end of the tunnel. In faith, we believe that a lifetime of humble and sacrificial service will one day be richly rewarded, even if it means suffering in this short life. Will we throw ourselves on the grenade for the community? For the friends and neighbours, workmates that we interact with. Can God-centred humble service make a difference to the community? Sure can. Can God-centred humble service make a difference to our everyday relationships? Our spouse, our family, kids, our friends? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I've been conducting an experiment for the last two months uh, in the lead up to this message. Without telling my wife... I've been trying to do everything that she asks or expects. (laughs) Um, It's been challenging to do so without questioning whether it's reasonable or not, uh, without letting my selfishness and sense of entitlement get in the way. Challenging when I'm sick, when I've been really tired. And there were some blatant failures on my part to serve well, to embody servanthood but looking back, I'm actually really confident that it has strengthened and helped us grow in intimacy in our marriage in the last couple of months. But, saying that, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of what servanthood can and should be doing in my relationship. In coming months, I want to ramp up my concern for my wife uh, and my interest in my service to her so that we can grow in um, deeper intimacy, specifically in Christ, together. But maybe... Uh, You're not married or or maybe you've got other relationships. Think of a relationship in your life where you'd like to see a breakthrough of reconciliation, perhaps, a breakthrough of deeper friendship um, with a neighbour or friend or a breakthrough of intimacy, say in marriage or a child um, or a parent. Being a humble servant didn't keep Jesus from suffering. It threw him headlong into it. But look how it benefited us, transformed us. We can't overestimate the power of God-centred humility in our personal relationships and of the ability of servanthood to change things. Can God-centred humble service make a difference to our personal relationships? Sure can. Finally, can God-centred humble service make a difference to our church? Unfortunately, the modern diseases of consumerism and individualism run rampant in our churches, including here at Monty. We may not voice it, but over the past several years I've heard attitudes in many many churches and many Christians similar to the following. I'll stick around here as long as it meets my needs and I'm getting fed. The church down the road has better X, Y, Z, so I think I'll go there instead. Everyone is entitled to an opinion as long as it doesn't differ to mine. Uh, I'm happy to sit back in my chair soaking up the encouragement. My spiritual needs are paramount. I've gone through my church shopping list and two items are missing. I think I'll stay home or give up on church entirely. And these examples may sound silly to a degree, but I'm telling you I've heard it in as many words uh, in the church. And if I turn my attention to Monty specifically... I'm convinced we've had severe servanthood failures here. Uh, would I find a church out there that hasn't had severe servanthood failures? I don't think so. But if I was thinking specifically about maybe where we've gone wrong in servanthood, maybe people leading or serving in pride rather than God centered humility, maybe people insistent on their opinions, their rights, their entitlements at the expense of others and their interests. Maybe people sitting back passively and letting others carry the burden of service while well, they do very little themselves. I don't raise these issues as uh, a means of pointing fingers. There's no value here sitting this morning pointing fingers. But what we can do is prayerfully seek to identify and repent of any ways that we ourselves have failed. If we're listening to the Holy Spirit, He has a tendency to pierce our own heart first. First. If you find yourself thinking about other people and their failures, you're probably not listening to the Spirit just yet. Once we listen to the Spirit and He puts His finger on our failure and we repent of that and say sorry to God and say sorry to others, there might be a chance then that we'll have some insight into the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye. So I'd encourage us to deeply examine our hearts. Do apologise to God. Do apologise to others where we've failed. Can God-centred, humble service make a difference to our church? It sure can. But how could we live out servanthood a little differently then at Monty? How can we make sure we're putting it into place? Firstly, each of us should be prepared to lay aside our interests to serve each other. Whatever you choose to lay aside will never be as great as what Christ laid aside to serve us. By way of example, imagine I'm in charge of music at the service for the services. I have a teenager come up to me after the service and say, Rob, I'm concerned that we're not ministering well enough to the elderly people in the church. Can you please, Rob, ensure that songs that are going to minister to them make their way into the service? Five minutes later, an elderly person comes up to me and says, Rob, You know what, I've got to be honest, I love the hymns best, but I really want to see our young people connecting to Jesus and I'm worried that we're playing too many songs that don't connect with them. Rob, can you please make sure that we're ministering to our young people through the songs? Now, it might sound like um, a bit of idealism. The status quo is probably just to come up to me, Rob, I want to have a whinge. Um, I was at a church last week down in the country and I heard several people come up to me after the service, all independent. The church is really growing, really going well. Several people came up to me and said, when I was talking about the church, they are like, the old people at this church have been so gracious. They've been such a powerhouse of support and prayer and encouragement for the young people. So am I idealistic to think that that sort of scenario could play out, music in all sorts of little trivial issues as well as big issues, that we could actually consider each other's interests first rather than our own? I don't think I'm idealistic. I think it's just plain biblical truth that perhaps in our selfish world we've got too used to uh, not seeing it. So what what can we do? We can can set aside our our own interests. I've got little kids. Can I set aside the interests that I have with little kids to serve someone else better? I've got to think about that. Um, Secondly... In the coming year, we're likely to reach a point as a church where uh, we transition back to more permanent leadership away from our current arrangements. What leaders should we um, seek out? What leaders should we select? Leaders who are humble? Leaders who understand and practice servanthood? Definitely. Leaders who will equip us to serve and stretch us out of our comfort zone? Definitely. Leaders that throw themselves on the grenade time and time again and sacrificial service for others and leaders who always challenge us to do the same, definitely. Leaders who do all the work for us and make all our problems go away, definitely not. If we want a leader who does all our work for us, making our lives comfortable, there's a strong chance that we're only serving our selfish agenda rather than yearning that all of us would be equipped to to serve, to evangelise and disciple others effectively just in summarising this morning. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for sin. What a costly ransom. Let's consider what He laid aside to save and to serve us and let His humility inspire you to humility and sacrificial service in all aspects of your life, in church, in family, with your neighbours, with your workmates. Because they desperately need it. Our world desperately needs the revolutionary power of humble servanthood to transform the world from the lonely, lost place it is into a place where we serve each other. Will you throw yourself on the grenade? Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your Son whom you loved for all eternity to die for us. It's almost uh, impossible to comprehend how far he descended. How far he humbled himself because we don't fully comprehend where he came from and we don't fully comprehend where he ended up becoming sin for us, feeling the entire weight of all your anger against sin. What an inspiration it is to us, Lord. Sometimes the distance between us humbling ourselves is we get mad because someone cuts in front of us in the traffic. We want to go through a door first. We get annoyed because our Trivial opinions don't agree with someone else's, Lord. And for all this trivial lack of humility, lack of servanthood, Lord, we want to really confess it to you. We want to ask your forgiveness. We want to be your servant's father. And sometimes we struggle with the the most basic ways to do that. So help us all we pray as we consider what Christ set aside that we might be able to also have the same mindset and to be able to focus our gaze on Him and learn from His attitude of servanthood help us with our neighbours help us with our friends, help us with our families help us in the church here at Monty to put servanthood in practice Lord we live in a culture where no one wants to take risks everyone wants to stay to themselves keep themselves in a nice, safe, comfortable bubble Jesus had have done that Lord we'd be in a bit of a pickle to say the least thank you that he threw himself on the grenade jumped over from the enemy trench into our trench while we were his enemies and felt the full force of your wrath and anger against sin so that we could know perfect peace and healing Lord our neighbours our friends, our families This church, we need that healing. We need the reconciliation power that comes through the cross and your grace. I pray that as we go out today, Lord, that you'd help us to fall on the grenade, take risks, die to our own pride and selfishness. We ask it in the precious name of our servant King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.